like a star in my If I see if I open my eyes to take a peek To find that I was by the sea Gazing with tranquility That's when the hurdy-gurdy man Came singing songs of love Then when the hurdy-gurdy man Three, two, one. Welcome to Draft Countdown. I'm Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. And I'm Shane P. Hallam from DraftTV.com. And we have a fun show for you planned, and our guest tonight is, is a longtime friend, uh, one of the, the, the forefathers, I guess I would say, of the online draft business. Uh, he's been around uh, maybe even longer than I have been, so uh, let's bring him right in without any further ado. Colin Lindsay from Great Blue North Draft Report uh, at GBNReport.com. Colin, welcome back to the show. Well, my pleasure to be here, and it's, uh, you know, what are we, two weeks and a day away from the draft? Uh, certainly looks like an interesting draft, and yes, for us, it's 18th this year. Uh, hard to believe that, uh, that the time has gone by, by so fast, but uh, uh, every draft is just really fascinating. I find good or bad, and uh, uh, lots of intrigue certainly setting up for this one. Well, and we're going to talk about some specific topics, some big picture stuff, but uh, I'm sure you're like me. You're constantly learning. The, the, learning never stops in this business. There's, there's always lessons to be learned from mistakes and such forth. And, uh, and uh, I, so I want to know what, what's a lesson that you learned recently. I'll give you a second to think about it while, while I give you mine. And uh, it just happened last year, and it was Johnny Manziel. Now, I was always extremely skeptical of Johnny Manziel, uh, and I, I never had him as a first-round pick or anything of that nature. But ultimately, I put him in my top 50 overall because well not just because but in large part because so many people that I really respected loved him and and I just could not understand it but I was like geez I mean if if all these people that I respect are saying this I, I it's got to be me that's wrong right I got to be missing something so I, I gave him a benefit of the doubt to a certain degree and and it's blown up as about, about as fantastically as it possibly could have for the Cleveland Browns so so that's definitely one I filed away that Hey, if you have a conviction on something, no matter who's saying it, because for the most part, I do try to avoid outside opinions so I don't influence myself one way or another. But in that instance, just so many people that I, I really had such a great deal of respect for were telling me the opposite of what I thought, that maybe it, uh, it, it prompted me to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt that uh, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have. So, so that was the lesson I learned. How about you? Is there something that's cropped up recently that you say, oh man, I, I see what I did there. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Or, oh, I, there, there's, a, there's a tip. Remember that for the future. Yeah, it's very interesting because I think I'm probably, uh, you know, somewhere along the, the same lines that you are. First of all, uh, you know, you've know, been doing this for uh, for 18 years, and uh, actually been following the draft since the early 1970s. Uh, to me, it's it's just a fact. I, I love the process, uh, how teams make make picks, how do they get their grades, and uh, always trying to learn in, in that regard. It's funny, you know. I, I'm one of the, probably the very few people. I don't have a problem with Cleveland taking Johnny Manziel. Um, that. Uh, you know, the draft is a lottery. Uh, they needed a quarterback. Um, you know, he, he did, you know, obviously, he, you know, he's gone bust. But he also, I think, had a lot of upside. 
And uh, you know, if it had not been for the off-field stuff, I mean, who knows where he would be? But I, I, I don't, I don't have a particular problem with that. But I, I, I think, a, I think a, a, a lot a, a, along the same ways that, that that you're saying, Scott. And that is, uh, you know, not to get too cute. Uh, you know, go with your, your 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 gut feeling when you hear somebody say something. I think I have a tendency to try and kind of look at it too many different ways and maybe get a little too cute and go somewhere else when they, they, they've told me what they're going to do, and uh, I, I kind of haven't believed them. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's that if you do have a gut feeling about something, you know, kind of stick with it and, and, and don't get too cute and don't read too much into everything that goes on at this time of the year. Well, and, and I'm Manziel, too, and I agree with you, too. I, I didn't kill the Browns for taking Manziel where they did. I wouldn't have done it, but I can understand why they did. That was a franchise that needed a shot in the arm, and, and he provided that briefly, but he brought some excitement to that organization. But I also said at the time, even though – because I always say I'll never criticize a team for at least trying at the quarterback position. I'd much rather do that than going into a season with Ryan Fitzpatrick because you're starter or, or Josh McCown or something like that. So I'll never criticize a team for at least trying at quarterback, but I also think in the case of Cleveland, now that the writing's on the wall, this is not working out, you have to be ready to move on. Don't compound this mistake by sticking with Johnny Manziel for another year or two. If he, if he turns his life and his career around, great. Then maybe we have a couple of quarterbacks, but you, I, 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 you just can't compound it. So that kind of leads into my next question for you. I'm of the opinion that somebody's going to trade up for Marcus Mariota. I don't think Titans want him at two. So I don't know whether it's going to be two, three, four, five, but I think somebody's going to trade up for Mariota. It's just a matter of who and where. Uh, so I guess I'm interested here. What are your thoughts on Mariota? Uh, do you agree that somebody's going to trade up? And, and for me, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I wouldn't hesitate to give up those two first-round picks if it landed me Mariota. So let's get your thoughts on all that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't think you need me as a guest here, Scott. You can just go on for your, your show, and uh, you're probably going to be, uh, you know, pretty much. Think, I, we're probably thinking the same way here. Absolutely, it certainly looks like the the, the Titans are in the in, in the catbird seat there. And I do a lot of interviews down in, in in Tennessee, and it just boggles my mind how many people are saying, no, 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 we should stick with that pick and take uh, Leonard Williams or, uh, or or Dante Fowler. And I I. I I, I just want to say, whether you take Mariota yourself, and it certainly doesn't look like they're going to do that, uh, you know, the value in this pick for the Tennessee Titans is you trade it. And, uh, uh, you know, it looks like the Jets are, are thinking about it. The Bears are thinking about it at seven. Uh, there's this very interesting situation with uh, the San Diego Chargers and, uh, and Phillip Rivers that's certainly been out there. Uh, interesting, you know, the, the, the Chargers were up working out Mariota uh, 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 yesterday. And the fact that they're going on and, and working out Brett Hundley, Garrett Grayson, you know, tell, uh, tends to tell me that, uh, that this business with, with Mariota is not a stunt, uh, that they really do have some concerns. Uh, Rivers has said he's not going to, if the team moves to San Diego, he's a very quiet, introspective, uh, religious guy, and he doesn't want to move there with his family. Uh, and he'll, he's threatening to play out his option. So, you know, that's an interesting scenario. I, I have to agree with you that if I'm the Titans, the team that I'm interested in is, is, is Cleveland with those two first-round picks. And uh, I, 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 I'm one of those people who just believes you, you have to have a quarterback to compete in the National Football League, and if you don't have one, you've got to go out and get one. You can get all the other players around him. But uh, I don't see any teams winning Super Bowls that don't have really, really good quarterbacks. So I, I, I would certainly uh, 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 
have no problem with uh, if Cleveland wanted to use those two picks and, and to move up. But it's going to be very interesting, and obviously with that many teams uh, uh, potentially talking about trades, um, you know, one of the things you worry about is that, that they're just going to, you know, the price is going to get too high here, that there's just too many people involved. But uh, certainly Cleveland is, is, is well positioned to, to do that, and uh, it's going to make, a, 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 as I said, an awful lot of intrigue between now and, and April 30th. Uh, just where these guys go. Well, and, and I agree that the the Titans, their best option would probably be to trade that number two pick, but I think they're kind of backed into a corner to a certain degree because if others feel the same way as I do, that, that Marcus Mariota is not a fit for what Ken Wisenhunt wants at that position and the Titans aren't going to take him, well, we know the Jaguars aren't going to take him at three. They have Blake Bortles. We know the Raiders aren't going to take him at four. They have Derek Carr. It's a whole lot cheaper to trade up to number five than it is to number two. So I don't think it's any coincidence that in the past uh, week or so, we've all of a sudden started hearing Marcus Mariota's name linked more to the Buccaneers or the Titans. I I think it's just a gambit to try to entice some trade offers and and get involved in that mix. But I I guess if it were me, I'd call the Titans bluff. I'd say, you're not taking taking Mariota. We're not going to pay the price for two. If you're willing to accept what we have to pay for five, we'll give you that. But we're not going to give you the King's Ransom that, 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 that you might want for that pick. Uh, do, do you kind of agree with that line of thinking on the Titans, or do you think Mariota's a, a real option in their minds? I, I don't think the Titans are going to take him. I, I think kind of what, 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 that, what seems to be going on in that organization is that they feel that Zach Mettenberger, the kid they got last year in the sixth round, probably would have gone a whole lot higher had he not hurt his knee. Their probability of getting a, a, a good quarterback isn't a whole lot higher uh, with Mariota than it is with Mettenberger, so they're prepared to sit for a year. Uh, you know, I, I guess in terms of the uh, how much you're, you're, you're willing to offer to to, to 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 move up, the issue is that, to me is that it, it just looks like a a a, a, a seller's market here. Uh, it, you, you don't have a situation like you did a couple of years ago with uh, Washington and, and Robert Griffin in St. Louis, where Washington really was the only person in, in the uh, in in the, in the market. Um, you know, and so you know, in in a sense, uh, for the Titans to maybe make a trade with the Jets uh, to six, uh, you know, that that one looks like it would would make some sense. Um, the Jets can sit there and kind of play hardball, but you got the the Bears right behind them at seven, also interested. You got all these other teams, so uh, you know, uh, if you have a, a feeling that that Mariota's got a chance to be a good quarterback in your system, and with a team like the Jets, for example who've done everything they can to try and compete with a hated, hated New England Patriots, you're not going to do it with Geno Smith and, and Fitzpatrick when they have Tom Brady. And uh, so, uh, you know, it, the ball, unfortunately, for the Jets isn't in their corner. They could, you know, try and play play hardball with the Titans. But what it looks like is the Titans may have some other options there that, uh, that uh, you know, the Titans, could, the, excuse me, the Jets could look smart uh, but they could end up with nobody at quarterback. So uh, it's what's so great about the draft. Uh, you know, one of the things that frustrates me about people is they want simple, straightforward, yes/no answers. And uh, you know, what I tell them is, you know, the draft is it's 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 not Fifty Shades of Grey. It's a hundred or a thousand shades of grey. There's just <laughs> so many perms and cons and uh, you know possible angles and all, all this and, and the other thing. It's just it, it's what what makes it so fascinating. And with this year, uh, you know, that's. That's kind of what's going on. You also mentioned the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That 
you know, for the longest time, it looked like Winston was going to be a lock to go there. Um, and I, I don't know what happened there. It may simply be that they saw all these teams starting to think about moving up to number two to get Mariota, and they said, hey, wait a minute, we could get into that game. Ding, and, ding, ding. Uh, the, the signal's coming out of Tampa Bay. You know, and again, Winston, you know, was a, is a good player and a good prospect, but you have all those red flags. Uh, he's not a great prospect. He's not Andrew Luck, uh, you know, and, you know, Tampa, again, another organization that, uh, and I think Tennessee is the same way, who really have not yet embraced the notion that you cannot win without a without a good quarterback. The, you know, Lovey Smith is still old school kind of thing. Well, we don't have the great quarterback. We'll, we'll build elsewhere and we'll win that way. Uh, they want to get into the game. So, you know, that just, just further complicates the whole thing. And at this point in time, my head's spinning. And, uh, again, there are just so many terms and combinations. I'm at a point right now where I'm saying, you know what, we could get on with the picks tomorrow. And, uh, you know, that, w- that would be probably my best option right now. Well, well Colin, you, t- you talked a little bit about Jameis Winston. I kind of want to extrapolate that to a, a more general question for you because I find it fascinating – uh, how teams and how evaluators evaluate those red flags, the, the, the character um, in in the NFL draft, as it gets more and more important uh, for teams to not make mistakes on character, and I have guys getting suspended and domestic violence and all of this. Um, maybe you can kind of dissect a little bit uh, so some of these these early round prospects that have those red flags, Jameis Winston, Doriel Green Beckham, Marcus Peters. How 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 do you personally differentiate does, does that play a part in how you rank and evaluate players uh, do, do you do you kind of go with the approach that well as as not being on an NFL team I don't really know so I don't take that into account uh how and how do you weigh the different things how do you weigh what uh, Dorian Green Beckham's red flags versus James Winston's red flags are these all guys that you would stay away from or or does there come a time where you have to take them and and I, you know I guess it goes back to Manziel last year etc but kind of kind of dissect character concerns for me and and the gravity of those situations now yeah and for for uh, for me it's a very frustrating problem because uh, unlike a lot of sites, and I think Scott, you, your rankings are, are are primarily your own rankings. You've watched a ton of film, and in 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 and 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 a very good evaluator of the players. Um, what we try and do at the, at the GBN, obviously, we watch a ton of film, just like just like you guys do. But we're trying as best we can is to put a kind of a a consensus board out there, um, and uh, so you know, trying to figure out exactly. You know what's going on in the mind of different teams with, uh, with with all these different situations, and there doesn't seem to be a golden rule here. Uh, you know, guys with, with with sometimes with very similar kinds of issues. One guy like Winston, who you would think, uh, you know, there are four or five issues out there. It's not one. Uh, you know, with, with the maturity issues. I mean, heck, you had his own lawyer at, at a conference the other day saying, you know, the kid's got the, got physical talent to play in the league, but. Uh, Boy, I'm not sure he's ready for uh, for for the for for the pros yet. Um, you know, uh, so and yet, obviously, it, you know, it certainly looks like he's going to go one two overall. Um, the, again, there's just so many perms and combinations here. I think when you're looking at the kid, uh, certainly in the case, you're always asking yourself, okay, we got this issue. Was this kind of a one-time thing that uh, that that that? that uh, you know, which maybe just a one-time thing, or the kid's going to grow out of, 
or you know is is this looking like a chronic kind of a thing and often what you're looking for is you know who does a kid hang around with if he's still hanging around from his posse from his old neighborhood uh, back in south south uh, south florida for example uh you know and he's got six or seven of those guys living in his house with him uh you know that that's the kind of thing that really scares you um that uh, you know is he going to be just continually dragged into this stuff uh you know, does he have the kind of support systems there that uh, that are going to allow him to, to grow from this? So, you know, I, the, the frustrating thing though is is that there, there just doesn't seem to be a a, a a a rule here. What we tend to do is is kind of say, okay, uh, you know, drop a guy around. That seems to be a kind of an average when you got a situation like this. And I would take a kid like uh, P.J. Williams, for example. I would drop him around. But, you know, with really talented guys like Winston and Randy Gregory, uh, you know, the, the, the margin for error, the, the leniency on, on part of NFL teams seems to be a little, uh, you know, a little more relaxed. Um, great football players are hard to find, and uh, you're picking early for a reason. Mainly you don't have great football players. Uh, and so, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not giving you a real good answer here. There's just, again, so many perms and comms in, in, in all of this that it's, it, it's really hard to know a rule uh, because it, it, it does seem to, to go change from team to team and from player to player. Let's let's switch gears a little bit, talk about some of these edge rushers. Uh, there's a big group there kind of in that top 10 to 15 um, that's really intriguing because you can have players go as high as 2 to Tennessee, 3 to Jacksonville, or, or maybe fall down the board. And, and there's uh, a, a number of different players from uh, Randy Gregory with, with the marijuana issues to uh, Dante Fowler, previously mentioned Vic Beasley, Bud Dupree. Uh, who's, who's kind of your favorite of this group, and, and how high do you think all these guys go? Do we see fast rushers come off the board fast and furious in the top ten, or does one or two guys fall a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> Again, a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of answers. I think the outside linebackers may be the most interesting position uh, in, in, in this draft, certainly in the top half, top 20, top 25 picks. Um, you've got maybe five or six guys there with, uh, with, with top ten ability, as you said, you have some issues with Randy Gregory, uh, and uh, you know my, I, I, it certainly looks like Dante Fowler going to be a top pick. Uh, after that, it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag. I think if the if the if the uh, if, if the uh, if the drug issue wasn't there, Randy Gregory probably the second guy in that group. Uh, but with that, uh, you know, with that uh, with it with the marijuana stuff and some of the stuff associated with it. The fact that that he continued to do it over time, uh, often at times when uh, you know at Nebraska he was still using the stuff when he'd been told one more one more get caught and you're out, uh, you know getting caught with the stuff before the combine, uh, you know even if you know it, it just speaks to your maturity and your intelligence to to, to 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 get caught in a situation like that, you know what we're kind of hearing is that he dropped down into the into the middle of the round and then he's kind of. Kind of, kind of eased his way back up again. Looks like he could go top ten. A guy I really kind of like as an interesting prospect is Vic Beasley of uh, of Clemson. Very new to the position and actually played as a, as a down lineman in college. But just a terrific athlete with I think an awful lot of upside. He's not the biggest guy out there, but really, really interesting guy. Uh, you also have Shane Ray, 
led the SEC in, 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 in sacks, didn't have a great workout at, 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 at his pro day. He's the one guy who looks like he's slipping uh, at, at this point in time and, 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 and could be available in the middle of the first round. The other guy who we're hearing just in the last few days is really kind of taken off in, in, in scouts' uh, uh, minds, uh, and that may be in part due to the, the issues with, uh, with Randy Gregory's Bud Dupree from Kentucky. And, uh, you know, what we're being told now, right now is that, you know, don't be surprised if he's actually the second uh, outside linebacker taken in the, within the top ten. So uh, uh, you've got five really, really interesting guys. And what makes the position interesting is that you've got a bunch of other guys, uh, you know, with second, uh, late first, second round ability, Eli Harold, uh, the 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 uh, uh, Odi 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 uh, of UCLA are got it. You get you know some defensive ends like Nate Orchard of of Utah, uh, probably going to fit, fit in as a as a as an outside linebacker, middle of the second round. So it, it's a really interesting position, and I'm just fascinated to, to see on the 30th just how it all plays out. It's maybe going to give us a few clues just as, as to how uh, some teams, uh, uh, you know, look at a situation like the Randy Gregory thing. Uh, but it uh, certainly looks like Fowler's first off the board. Might be, uh, might actually be uh, 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 the kid from Kentucky second or Beasley in there. Uh, so you could have as many as four of those guys going in the top ten. Colin, my most recent mock draft, I actually had Bud Dupree going number six to the Jets, and I had Shane Ray sliding to number 22 to the Steelers. So I think we're hearing some of the same things in regards to those two players uh, right now at this time of the year. But, you know, while we're on the topic, we just talked a little bit, uh, a question before about, about some character concerns. And, and you're a Giants fan, right? Yes. So, and I think the Giants probably take character into account or covet that, that trait more than a lot of teams around the league, which is why, even though I think Randy Gregory would be a good fit there, I just don't see the Giants taking Gregory. But I think one of the more interesting storylines of the 2015 NFL draft is that this is the first draft since the Ray Rice situation really blew up, since the video was out and and, and the whole magnitude of it came to light. Do you think that's going to have a dramatic effect? Do you think there's a chance we could see guys with character concerns falling a lot further than we expect? Uh, because we're kind of in uncharted water to a degree. And I, I think, especially for you, since you are the Giants and they are a team that kind of uh, takes a, a little bit more of a hard-line approach, I'm interested to hear how you think that, is, that Ray Rice in, in the current climate uh, politically for the NFL is going to affect their decisions. Because, like, for example, I think most years Ozzie Newsom would be sitting there waiting for Randy Gregory or Marcus Peters or Doriel Green Beckham to drop into those laps at the end of the first round, whereas this year I just don't think it's feasible for Baltimore to take a chance on a guy like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to know, and I guess we're going to find out on, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, and certainly there's an awful lot of guys uh, in in, in that situation. Uh, uh, Shane mentioned Doriel Green Beckham. I'm I'm intrigued to see where he goes. you know, he's a guy that, you know, had he played, uh, you know, might have top five, top ten ability, uh, didn't play last year, and, you know, after a domestic abuse incident. Uh, you know, you would think that the National Football League, will, 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 you know, that, that they'll really make guys play. I, I guess the, the, the thing that kind of jumps out at me is, uh, uh, you know, is, is, is Jameis Winston. Um, you know, 
<clears throat> I don't think there's anybody doubt that that, that something went what went on in 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 in, uh, in 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 that instance with him. Who knows what it was? I mean, he did get he never charged, and he was eventually cleared by 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 a number of uh, 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 of inquiries. But you know, and yet it looks like he's going to be the first player taken overall. So it it, it it's really hard to know, uh, but. I, I think in, in in a very general way that teams, if they aren't, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, 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 penalizing the players per se, it sounds like they're doing a lot more investigative work of just where the kids are uh, in, in terms of their character now than, than maybe they would have done in the past. I mean, we've heard these the, the, the almost crazy stories of the, of the Buccaneers putting a tail on, 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 on Winston and, and having somebody following him literally 24 hours a day uh, and, and, and these kind of things going on. So uh, uh, I think it's the $24,000 question here, and uh, I'm just intrigued to see what happens on the, on the 30th, just what happens with these guys. Because, as you say, it, it's, a, it's kind of a brand-new world. And uh, if we see that, that you know, Doriel Green-Beckham drops into the second round and, uh, and, and some other things of that nature. Marcus Peters is the, the, the other interesting guy, although his – his issues have nothing to do with uh, with uh, 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 you know domestic violence or, or legal troubles off the field. Uh, he just kept getting in fights with with his coaching staff last year. Something I've never heard of, and certainly that would be the kind of thing that I would be very very conscious about bringing into uh, bringing into uh, bringing into my team almost more than these guys who commit you know uh, off field legal things that. Uh, Again, one one squabble with a coach, uh, uh, you know that you know that happens. Two of them, that's a red flag. Three of them, which is what he had. I mean, that's a you know how how how's this kid going to deal with a coaching a, a pro coaching staff if he couldn't deal with a uh, with a uh, with a uh, uh, you know college coaching staff? Uh, and uh, and yet we're kind of hearing that you know he's in that 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 mid first round area. He's a guy I'm really kind of interested to see what happens to. Well, I have one more question for you on the quarterbacks, Colin, so we'll get the quarterbacks out of the way here. Uh, I'm of the opinion that beyond Winston and Mariota, it kind of drops off a cliff. And I just think beyond Winston and Mariota, the rest of the quarterbacks in this class fit into one of two categories, either developmental guys or career backups. So I guess I'm interested, do you agree with that assessment? And secondly, if you had to bet on one quarterback beyond Winston and Mariota, who would it be and why? Yeah, I, again, I, I agree 100% with you on that. There, there's a, a real, real drop-off, and yet the position is so important that it certainly sounds like you're going to have teams taking shots at, at the Bryce Petties and Brett Hundleys of this world. Um, I, I kind of like Bryce Petty. Um, I think if you protect him, that uh, that uh, that he's got that gunslinger mentality and uh, you know has a little bit of upside there, uh, but uh, as you say, I, I don't see anybody in in the uh, second, third, fourth rounds that uh, that you figure is go- at least going to come into the National Football League and and play anytime soon. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes out. Well, I, I want to take advantage of your experience, Colin, because like you said, you've been following the draft since the 70s. You've had a website for almost two decades. You, you've seen it all. Who is your bust alarm going off on? Maybe give us like one guy on offense and one guy on defense. So it just, who, is, who's there, who is there warning bells going off in your head that you, for just one reason or another, you're really leery of a guy um, and, and, and you're maybe reluctant. You see, you, you see a potential bust there. 
Well, you know, everybody's got a bus potential. <laughs> you know, I, I guess if, if we could pick the, the bus, uh, uh, we'd, be, we'd be working for an NFL team uh, uh, and making some money at this business rather than just having fun. You know, ah, uh, boy, that's, I always hate that question. I'm, I'm thinking maybe Andrews beat as my bus guy on the offensive line. Scares uh, me, too. Has a real, real big upside, but uh, a lot of bad tape on him, very inconsistent kid. Uh, the trend for him was downward. Uh, so, you know, I, I would I – would, the, the, the one name that jumps out at me, maybe if I looked at my list, I, I'd see a, see a couple of others, but uh, he's the one that kind of jumps out at me right off the top anyway. Well, well, Colin, I'll go the other way. Maybe that'll be maybe that'll be a little more fun than uh, than the bus side. But uh, I want you to give me a couple sleepers that you like. Maybe in that that second day or later, uh, I I always find it intriguing to get some some unique names out there and some guys you think is are going to go a lot later than they should and just have have a lot of potential. Yeah, um, boy. I, again, I, I I don't have my list in front of me, but. Uh, there's a there's a couple of kids that that I like at 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 wide receiver in particular. One of them is Tyler Lockett from Kansas State. Um, uh, uh, if, if I were an NFL team, I just might take a shot at him, middle of the second round kind of a thing. He's probably going to go a little bit later than that. But uh, but uh, he, he's a he's a, a kid I really like at, at that position. Um, and uh, you know, off the top at this point in time, I'm kind of blanking here in terms of. Uh, of uh, of uh, of uh, uh, some of those things. Can you ask me another question? I'm just going to check my files here. Again, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. an old guy, so uh, name name. I have trouble with remembering the, the names sometimes. No, well, well, that, that's right. You can pop back and you think of guys. Just yell out yes. their name, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me ask you. About, let me ask you about running backs. Then we'll we'll talk about that for a little bit. Because um, obviously you have Todd Gurley with the injury. Looks like he'll still be a first-round pick. Uh, the, the talk seems to be that Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin will still be a first-round pick. Would you would you take a running back in the first round? I think Scott and I both kind of lean toward the side of not, uh, even if a guy like Todd Gurley is supremely talented and, and probably deserves to go in the first round, that we would both kind of shy away. Would you take any of these running backs in the first round, uh, or are there guys – would you wait? Are there guys later that you think have just as much upside? Uh, do you evaluate this as a pretty good running back class? Well, I, 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 I'm with you guys in, in that, that I'm not a, a, a big fan of taking running backs in the first round. Uh, they have such a short shelf life. Uh, and and I, I, I look around the league, and you look at the great running backs, and, and, and you look at their teams, and, and they don't seem to, for whatever reason, have a huge impact on, on one-loss records, unlike quarterbacks where you've got to have one, and, and if you don't have a good one, you're, you're, you're kind of, uh, you're, you're kind of in, in some trouble. Uh, I think in this this year, though, hey, you don't have a lot of of, of impact players, and I think in in, in the two guys you mentioned, uh, uh, Todd Gurley and in Melvin Gordon, I, I think they are potentially special talents at, at the position, and you put them in the right offense um, that uh, that where you're not asking them to 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 to, to run for 200 yards every every game. That the team does have a quarterback. Uh, you know, like the Dallas situation where you've got DeMarco, or you had DeMarco Murray anyway, uh, you know, running up the storm, but you also had Tony Romo, who was a very, very good quarterback. Uh, 
I, I think this year those two guys are worth a pick in in the uh, in the uh, in, in in the latter part of the second round. I can see somebody gambling on a, on a Todd Gurley who pound for pound might be the best player in this draft, or certainly one very close to one of the best players in this draft. But again, it's it's a position which. For whatever reason, the correlation between having a great guy at that position and, and winning is, is the correlation just isn't very high. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you guys in that regard. That uh, that uh, I would be very, very careful about taking a uh, taking a taking a quarter a uh, running back that early. Uh, let me ask you a per, kind of a personal question for this podcast. I, I think I'm, I've been losing this debate when we've asked guests, but we've asked uh, almost every guest that we have about uh, Michigan player Devin Funchess and his NFL position. Uh, Scott and I are at odds on that position. I, I have him as a wide receiver listed in my ranking. Scott has him at, as a tight end, and he had uh, kind of a combine where his 40 time wasn't so great to maybe looked a little more tight endish. He played tight end early in his career, played some receiver late as kind of – in that uh, that tweener mold, where where do you have Devin Funchess? What position, and how do you evaluate him? Uh, do you think he's he's a, a top fifty pick? Is is he a player that has too many flaws for you? Uh, talk a little bit about him. Yeah, well, he's again one of the wild cards in this draft, no question about it. And and I'm gonna gonna answer it and come down in the middle. Uh, that that he, I wouldn't draft him as a tight end. I wouldn't draft him as a wide receiver, but I would draft him. For 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 a certain kind of a team and a team that that likes to put a lot of receivers on the field, I would draft him simply as a receiver, put him on the field, and in in try and get him in situations where he gets a mismatch. See if you can get him on a linebacker, get him on a safety, uh, things of that nature. And uh, uh, you know, again, you never know until you get him out in the field. But I, I think in that kind of a situation, that that he might be a, a pretty good player. Uh, that uh, who could make some plays for you? I think if you tried to simply make him a tight end and, and, and put him in a, in, a, in a standard pro type offense, he just isn't the blocker there. And, and as a pure wide receiver, doesn't have the speed. But as I say, you put him in that uh, in that uh, in that, that that kind of hybrid role, um, and, and I have a feeling that you know if a Bill Belichick had Funchess, and I could see a Bill Belichick taking him at the at the end of the second round and designing some plays around him. Uh, that, that he'd be an interesting play. Other than that, I, I can't see. I certainly wouldn't be taking him higher than the middle of the second round, and uh, uh, I, I'd have to have that real, real set kind of offense for him uh, before I'd even think about him in the third. Well, Colin, while we're on the topic of tight ends, I, I think it's a similar situation at that position as what we have at quarterback, where after the top three, you can include Funches in that, otherwise Max Williams from Minnesota and Clive Walford from Miami, it, it kind of drops off a cliff, and I think you're looking at a lot of developmental guys and backups. So my question to you is beyond that top tier of tight ends, is there anybody you have a conviction on? If, if you were a team in need of a starting tight end and you couldn't have Funches, Williams, or Walford, who would you be targeting? Well, you know, I, I, again, it depends on what kind of a team I am. If I'm looking for a, 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 a guy that, that, that's going to do a little bit of blocking for me and, and catch some passes too, might look at a Jesse James from Penn State. Uh, if I'm more of a wide-open team, uh, might look at a Tyler Croft from, from Rutgers if, uh, uh, if, his, uh, if his health checks out. From, from what I've been told, uh, uh, he, he looks like he's in, in pretty good shape. Uh, other kind of interesting guys, the kid from Southern Illinois, uh, Michael Pruitt, uh, really, really good athlete at a position where there are not very many good athletes. I mean, even in, 
you know, I, I kind of stick with what the NFL people are telling me, but I kind of feel it that a Max Williams uh, is is maybe just a little bit overrated because he is the best tight end here. Uh, I don't see him contributing the kind of big plays that, uh, you know, some of the other first tight ends off the board have done in recent years. Uh, I might even be more inclined to go with a Clive Walford, um, especially if I'm a passing team, if I'm looking for a receiving tight end. They both ran about the, the same um, and both ran, to me, for a, for a top tight end at 4.8 in that range. Not very good. But I think Walford plays a little bit faster. Uh, Max Williams, probably a little bit better all-around player. But I think the whole position, as, as a general rule, as you say, not very strong. And, and because of it, those, those, top, those top guys may be a little bit overrated. Well, you mentioned Max Williams is a guy who might come off the board a little earlier than he should. Is, is there one or two other guys in this class that, that you kind of think either might come off the board earlier than they should or maybe later than they should? Is there somebody that you think, oh, well, how is this guy going to go in the fourth round? He should be going in the third round. Or, or who, who, do you, who do you expect to go higher or lower than, than you maybe have them rated? At tight end, you mean? Uh, just at any position, just draft as a whole. Oh, uh, you know, again, it's it's a tough question for me to answer uh, off the top of my head because I've I've, uh, I've made a whole bunch of notes here in 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 in, in lost them. Uh, I think the quarterbacks. I'm talking about them before Bryce Petty, uh, Brett Hundley, Garrett Grayson, probably going to go way earlier than than they should have gone just because of the uh, because of the holes at at, at at quarterback and the fact that you've got so many teams. Uh, 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 looking at that position, you also may get because of a situation that uh, that uh, that a lot of pe- teams looking for 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 wide receivers that uh, that uh, 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 and in in the good guys are going to go off the board very early. That some of the second tier wide receivers, the, the Brashad Perrimans and, and Sammy Coates, uh, Devin Smith. Uh, who don't have great hands and aren't—I don't believe anyway—are—are—are are, are, are going to be good number one receivers because they don't have that ability. I don't think to go out and catch seventy or eighty passes. They're going to give you big plays, but uh, uh, are are not going to be that number one guy. They may go off the board uh, a, a little bit sooner than, uh, than 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 you would think. The other thing that may happen is on the other side. Um, I'm not sure it isn't all that bad a year at, at, at middle linebacker. Uh, I think there are three or four guys that uh, are, are, are better than a lot of the guys we've seen at the position uh, in, 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 in past years. And it may be that, again, it's, it's a position that the NFL doesn't value all that much. And, and I think some guys like Eric Hendricks and Stephon Anthony, uh, who, although he's kind of moving up a little bit, but I think they all may go a little bit lower than uh, – than uh, than, uh, than than the position might justify. Colin, who are some of your favorite prospects in this draft? And they don't necessarily have to be first, second rounders. They could be late round guys. They could be priority free agents. Just maybe who are a handful of, of prospects that you've taken a personal uh, liking to and have an affinity for? Well, you know, I I, I try and avoid that. I was just talking to some guys over on a, on a, on a chat website that I that I that I, I, I hang out a little bit at uh, or get invited over there. And uh, you, you get into all these uh, uh, almost pissing matches between different guys on there. You know, I, I like this guy. I don't like this guy. And, and what I kind of tell people is that uh, 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 
uh, you know, try not to get invested in people because, you know, then you get the blinders on and you start 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 forcing. But, you know, some guys are kind of like and maybe aren't, aren't getting a whole lot of attention. Jake Fisher, uh, the, the tackle at Oregon, uh, during the season I was kind of making the joke that uh, he should have been in the running for the Heisman Trophy uh, because that Oregon team uh, really went in the tank when he got injured and they really kind of took off again when, when he came back. I really like uh, Bernard McKinney. Uh, the, the 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 linebacker from uh, from Mississippi State, I think he's maybe undervalued just a little bit because he really didn't play any one particular position at uh, at uh, at Mississippi State. And I think if you put him in the, in the right system, especially as a as a as an outside linebacker in in a three four system, I think he could be a really really good good player at at that particular position. As I said, I really like uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, the the wide receiver from. Uh, from Kansas State, uh, he's the kind of kid that uh, he can return punts for you. Uh, kind of kid that, that you really would like to see uh, uh, get, get uh, you know, have his hands on on, on the ball. Uh, I like the, the the running back from Northern Iowa, uh, uh, Johnson. He's uh, he's taken a lot of hits in college. You, you know, he's a fourth year senior, and you like your, your running backs to be a little bit younger. But uh, I think he's kind of an interesting guy. And if I didn't get one of those top two guys, that uh, that that he'd be an interesting guy to. Uh, uh, to, to 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 bring to camp. Also, like Alex Carter, the the the, the cornerback safety from uh, from uh, from Stanford. Uh, I, I think he's a versatile guy who actually might end up playing safety for you at, at the next level. And with uh, you know so many teams putting multiple receivers on the field to get a kid like him playing at uh, at uh, at uh, at uh, 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 safety gives you that extra kind of cornerback uh, look to it. And, and a kind of kind of again same school. That he reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, of Richard Sherman with that length and length and, and, and ability to to, to play a, a physical kind of stuff. Also, like Josh Shaw from uh, from Southern California, again a versatile kind of guy. Uh, if you can keep him from jumping off uh, jumping off second second floor patios into, into empty swimming pools, uh, <laughs> you, you might have a really good player there. Uh, so there's kind of kind of a few of my, my the, the the players that I really like, and I'm going to throw out the name Brandon Bridge. Uh, he's a quarterback from South Alabama. I don't know how you get to South Alabama from Toronto, uh, but uh, he may just have the strongest arm in, in this entire draft. He's a Canadian. I don't think he's even going to be drafted, but uh, he'd be an interesting kind of kid, kid to bring to bring to camp. And uh, uh, I was, I'm going to follow him just just because he's uh, probably the top Canadian prospect this year. Well, I'm going to wrap up my questioning, uh, talk a little offensive line, and, and I, I feel like there's this, this nice group of offensive uh, tackles or, or versatile offensive linemen that go in that first round. Lel Collins, uh, previously mentioned Andrews Pete, Derek Flowers, TJ Clemmings. Uh, there's a lot of guys now kind of getting that, that early second, late first buzz. You mentioned Jake Fisher from Oregon, a potential first-round pick. Uh, Cedric Bowie, who before the season was going to be a top-five pick, had a bad year, had the injury. He's fallen down, but now he might be a first-round pick again. DJ Humphreys from Florida. How how many of these players, Colin, do you think go in the first round? How many do you evaluate as as first round talents? And uh, where do you just think this offensive line class falls? Are they going to trend um, on being drafted a little higher than we think, a little lower than we think, uh, with with so many names out there? Well, it, you know, the, it's it's a really interesting class because you don't have any 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 really great players in it. Uh, I, and I think Scott talked about, and I talked about it last week, that uh, that uh, that uh, you know, 
you can make the case that none of these guys, they all have flaws. Um, uh, Brendan Scherf is a, is a really, really tough run blocker, but, uh, but uh, he's not the greatest pass blocker out there. He's a good athlete, but it, it seems to be a straight line kind of athleticism. You have a kid like Lael Collins, who ultimately may be the, 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 the best offensive lineman in this draft. But what is he? Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Uh, you have uh, an Andres Pete who has tremendous upside, uh, but uh, a lot of inconsistent tape out there. You have an Eric Flowers kid who's got a tremendous amount of natural talent, great size, uh, terrific length, uh, and yet a very raw kid uh, who you're a little worried about that, that athleticism. So, you know, those are the top four or five guys. And, and you know, you add in a T.J. Clemmings, uh, who I thought had one of the worst senior bowls I've ever seen anybody in, 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 in my, all my years have at, at the senior bowl. Uh, you watch him on tape at Pitt. He plays a, a whole lot better than he did at the senior bowl. But, uh, you know, the fact that, that, that uh, he really struggled with, with, with good players at, at the senior bowl scares the heck out of you. But, again, kid with a lot of, a lot of upside. He's got the size. He's got the feet. Uh, I think in the end, six guys are going to go probably six, seven offensive linemen in, in the first round. Again, you have an interesting situation. You have a lot of teams in the bottom of the draft uh, that uh, you normally associate, uh, you know, the teams that go deep into the playoffs as having pretty good offensive lines. But you've got a number of them, uh, uh, Indianapolis, uh, New England, and, and several others have some real issues on the offensive line. So it's even possible that uh, they could go a little bit earlier. I guess it's one of those positions that, like quarterback, it's really, really hard to fill, especially left tackle. You want a good left tackle. You pretty much got to get one in the first round. So, you know, those guys are probably going to go a little bit earlier than if they played other positions, they, 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 they drop down a bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the result, we could see as many as, as, as you know, four or five of them go in in, in the top 15 uh, and, uh, you know, maybe another two or three in, 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 the, in the bottom half of the round. But uh, uh, there's certainly a lot of guys out there, but a lot of guys also with, with, with some issues. Uh, Colin, just a couple more questions for you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the wide receivers. And, and I, I think the in, intrigue there is maybe more in the second tier than the first tier. I think just about everybody has Kevin White from West Virginia and Amari Cooper from Alabama, one or two in some order, then Devontae Parker from Louisville. But I think wide receiver four, five, six, seven, eight, I, I think that might be a more subjective question. I'm not so sure there's necessarily going to be a consensus. So I, I guess I'm just wondering, how, how is your board stacked after that, that top group of, of three wideouts? And, and where do you think that, that run on the second tier is going to start? Because as the draft gets closer here, I'm I'm kind of thinking that it might start a little earlier than we think. There's just so many teams in the middle of the first round in need of a pass catcher. Maybe we're going to get half a dozen wideouts in the first round this year. Well, I would certainly think so. I mean, uh, you know, part of the deal is is that, that again, you have some different guys. You got a Brashad Perryman, uh, uh, Sammy Coates, probably more of a second round guy, uh, but uh, you know, Devin Smith. I'm going to put in that group too. Very, very fast. Uh, uh, tremendous, uh, you know, uh, straight line speed, deep threats. Then you get some other guys uh, 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 like a Doriel Be- Green Beckham, uh, who's just a, a big guy um, who's going to be a real, real issue to to to, to cover. And then you got some other guys like uh, 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 Eckler, the, the the kid from Southern California, in, in a couple others that are really smooth, polished receivers. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's very possible that that you could have. 
uh, as many as a half dozen guys go in the early round. Part of the, in, the intrigue here is going to be is how early uh, Devontae Parker goes, uh, especially if Cooper in, in, in white goes, say, 5-6 in, in that area. Uh, does Parker also squeak into the top ten? And as you say, you have a bunch of teams out there that have real issues at, at wide receiver. St. Louis uh, at ten, Minnesota at eleven could go there. Green Bay, uh, excuse me, Cleveland at, at twelve. Uh, you, you know, not, not, not only do they not have a quarterback, they don't have a, 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 a receiver uh, that, that would crack the top three on most teams around the league. You got Miami at fourteen. You got Houston. Uh, you got Kansas City. Probably even put San Francisco in there. All those teams really, really kind of need receivers. So you know, it's one of those situations where the, 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 that that second group you know might be pulled up. Right now, we have Brashad Perryman as, as the number four guy in the game. I, we're, we're doing that just because what we're hearing from 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 teams around the league. And then you have a bunch of guys: uh, Green Beckham, uh, uh, Jalen Strong. Uh, although we just heard that 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 uh, he's got going to have some wrist surgery, I'm not sure what that's going to do to to his grade. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, if he checks out, I mean, he certainly looks like he's going to go uh, he, he, very close to the 20s. And then you have a kid like uh, Aguilar, the kid from uh, Southern California, who's been kind of considered maybe a late second rounder, much of the uh, much of the uh, of the pre-draft process. People are taking a second look at him and and uh, and. Uh, uh, he's got a chance to go in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, later first round, and then as I say, you've got these guys like Coates and Devin Smith, uh, who are very uh, talented, big play threats. And you know, at the end of the first draft, uh, at the end of the first round, where you have uh, you don't have the great talent, those teams are maybe looking for more specific kind of players. And it's possible that a team like New England looks at a Sammy Coates and says. Uh, you know, we got we got most of the other bases covered. We just love to have that that guy who we're not expecting to go and catch 40, uh, 75, 80 passes. But if he could catch 40 and score 10 touchdowns, that would really really help our offense. So uh, it, it's it's a really fascinating position. And I think, as you said, there's a possibility that because the, the three guys are going to go early, uh, the three top guys are going to go early, and then you have so many teams with uh, with with needs at at the position that. Uh, it's one of those that it's going to pull the other guys up. All right, Colin, last question for you. Who do you view as the elite prospects in this draft? Who's the creme de la creme? Who's that top tier before there's maybe a drop-off in your mind? Who, are, who do you view as elite this year? Well, you know, if, if compared to other years, I'm not sure there's anybody in this draft that, 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 that I'm, I would call, you know, elite, blue chip, uh, that kind of stuff. I think you have uh, – uh, a pretty solid top six, uh, 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 um, uh, you know, red blue chip kind of stuff. Winston and, and Mariota, the quarterbacks. Uh, Leonard Williams, Dante Fowler, and Amari Cooper, and, and, and Kevin White. Uh, and then I think you got a second group uh, that, that probably consists of, of Scherf, uh, Randy Gregory, Vic Beasley, uh, Devontae Parker, Danny Shelton, uh, Trey Waynes. Um, you know, which kind of gives you a top 12 in those two tiers. What's kind of interesting, though, you know, in other years you, you, you really do get, uh, often get is a, is a, is a, is a clear demarcation. Uh, this year there, there seems to be more of a little bit of a bleeding between groups. And, uh, you know, within each of those groups that, uh, you know, maybe Brandon Scherf, maybe a Vic Beasley actually should go in the top group. Uh, and certainly within that second group, uh, you look into the third group and you, and you, you see a bunch of guys, uh, a Todd Gurley, maybe a Lael Collins, 
uh, 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 Eric Armstead, Malcolm Brown, Bud Dupree, I didn't mention him in that group, but he's up in there too, uh, that, uh, that, that could slip into that group. So I, I think in this draft particularly, there's going to be a lot, an awful lot of matching uh, uh, needs and value and that there are going to be players that some teams have rated as, you know, late top ten guys. Other other teams may not have them rated in the top 20 kind of a thing. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to follow that as we go. All right, Colin. Time flies when you're talking draft. But before we let you go, I want to give you a chance to let everybody know where they can read you and, and follow you on Twitter. I can't believe it. I thought that was one of the signs of the apocalypse when you actually joined Twitter. I didn't think we'd ever see that day. But let everybody know where they can follow you. Well, uh, we're at the GBN report.com been here for years uh, like you we're, we're free uh what we kind of specialize in is, is is draft news analyzing uh, uh the, the, the 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 rumors and all that sort of stuff and of course we do all the regular stuff the top 300 in the in the uh in the uh, the, the mock drafts and things like that i am told we're on twitter i could not tell people how to find <laughs> twitter uh we do have a production manor, man, manager and he tells me we are in fact on twitter uh, I, I, I myself could not get on Twitter if, if, you, if you paid me to. So uh, I, I believe we're out there. If you know how to do Twitter, you can probably find us out there. But uh, I can't help you on that one. I'm still, I'm still stuck in the, in the last century, a lot of it when it comes to technology. That does not surprise me in the least. And you are indeed on Twitter. You're only at 113 followers right now, but hopefully you can change that a little bit at least. Uh, you can follow Great Blue North Draft Report on Twitter at GBN Report. So so give Colin a follow. Definitely check out the site. Like I said, he's got he's just a, a wealth of knowledge and experience. He's been around for decades. And uh, Colin, it was great talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate the time. Yeah, my pleasure. I can't believe our hour's up already. And uh, and uh, enjoy the next two weeks, guys. Uh, you know, it's a crazy time. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but we're working 18 hours a day here. And uh, you, you head to bed, and, and you just can't wait to get up and get at it the next morning. So uh, so enjoy the draft. I uh, hope your team uh, hits, uh, hits on its uh, draft picks. And uh, probably talk to you afterward. All right. Enjoy the hockey playoffs, too, you hoser. Yeah, well, take care, guys. All right, take care. That was Colin Lindsay from Great Blue North Draft Report. Uh, I've known Colin for many, many years. Just a, one of the best guys in the business. Uh, check out the site, gbnreport.com. Follow him on Twitter, at gbnreport. So with that, we're going to call it a show. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. And as of right now, there are 15 days, 5 minutes, and 53 seconds left until the 2015 NFL Draft. Tick-tock.